0: Hello friends, it's Pastor Tanner here, and um, we're back for another installment of Reading the Bible Well. Um, This is week number two, and I hope that you found the first one uh, useful. If you're seeing this and you haven't seen the first one, um, you can still finish this and it'll be fine. Um, But I might recommend going back and checking out the other one first, is it's just kind of laid a foundation for what we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks. So this is a uh, several-week study that we'll be doing. And I hope it becomes a tool and a resource for you as you are either learning to read the Bible for the first time or you are uh, a lifelong Christian or somewhere in the middle and just kind of needing some refreshers and a reminder and maybe some a little bit of help, uh, a little extra help trying to understand what it is that God is saying to us as individuals and as a community of believers today. So this week, we are going to look at... um, Like I said, lesson number two, and it is um, actually starting to read the Bible. So last week was foundational stuff about the books of the Bible and what types of stuff was in the Bible and all of that. So this week we're actually going to talk about starting to read the Bible. And so the first thing I want to talk about in terms of reading the Bible well is understanding what you are going to read. Having a plan or having some sort of goal with your Bible reading And so uh, many of us, for whatever reason, are tempted to make a commitment, I'm going to read the whole Bible in a year, which is not a bad goal. Um, But for some reason, that just kind of becomes a default. And we'll start in Genesis, and we'll just think we're just going to read Genesis through Revelation. And we get through Genesis and Exodus. And we're like, all right, this is cool. There's some interesting stories, some interesting characters. And then, you know, we kind of get a little bit further, and we get into Leviticus and some of the, the priestly rules. Uh, on how to offer sacrifice and how to be pure and clean. And it's like, what is happening here? Why is there three pages of how to kill a bull and what to do with the fat from a bull and all that crazy stuff. So um, we kind of get off track or you get caught up in all the genealogies of so and so begat so and so and you're like, what is happening? And so it's easy to lose motivation and uh, steam if you're just going that route. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying be aware if that's your goal, you're going to encounter some things fairly early on that are um, challenging if you don't know what to do with them. So I guess that's step one is have a plan. Um, we live in an amazing time. Obviously, there's a lot of craziness. There's some negative things that are happening in our, in our society and our culture, but there is a, uh, a few things that are really helpful that other Christians in the history of Christianity have not had available to them. Uh, we have at our hands, if you have a smartphone or a tablet, um, uh, a Bible app, and that's what's called the Bible app. And if you download that, you will find in there a section called Plans, and you can search for all different types of things. You can search by topic, you can search uh, by keyword, um, you can figure out a plan to read the Bible in the whole year or read particular parts of the Bible in a set amount of time. Some of these plans are three days. Some of them are five days. Some of them are walk you through a month or two. And some walk you through a whole year. So that's that's a helpful tool. Um, and like I said, you can pick out by topic or just by reading plan um, or books of the Bible, all that type of stuff. So that's a helpful tool. I would say um, if you're not if you're not wanting to use the Bible app or use one of those plans, there's you know bookstores and stuff online that you can find. But I, I also think A good uh, good resource if you're looking like where do I start um, would be just talk to your pastor. Um, I plan out my sermons in series um, and I plan out my sermons using the lectionary so it's kind of prescribed. Um, Not that I follow the lectionary the whole year around but for a good portion of the year we are following a specific plan of scriptures. And so if you want to know, like, where should I read next or where should I start, um, I might be able to tell you, like, hey, the next five weeks we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark or the next seven weeks we're going to be walking through the book of Acts. And so um, I think it's helpful. I think it's, it's, it's rewarding to read the Bible at home and also to hear um, sermons and teachings based off of what you're already reading and those things work together. So... Um, just ask your pastor what's what's going on. Um, I try to do a good job of kind of previewing sermon series, but I don't always necessarily say these are the the scriptures that we'll be preaching from week over week. So, But I do have a lot of that planned out. So if you ever want to know where we're going, ask me. Um, if you're not a part of this church, um, reach out and talk to your pastor. I know sometimes pastors write sermons week to week based off what's going on in the world around them. But most pastors have a general idea of what they're doing um, And some of us like to to stick with a book for a while. So um, that might be a helpful tool to you as well. So um, that kind of deals with what are you going to read? Now, kind of how do you read? So you can read the Bible and just look at it just to get information, right? Um, What did Jesus say about this? Who was, you know, the son of Isaac, right? Or who, who did this? And what happened here? And what was the name of this place? You can read all that information and be like, just as history, and store up information as knowledge in case you're ever on Bible Jeopardy or something someday. Um, but I think that's maybe not the best reading of the Bible, right? So we're talking today about reading the Bible well, and so it's not just for getting information. Um, it's definitely not just for saying, well, I, I read the Bible, check it off and be done with it. But our goal is to read the Bible in such a way that uh, it's a transformative experience, and that over time, it's something that shapes us. Um, so that through it, we understand God more clearly. We understand what God wants from us more clearly and the actual act of hearing the words, uh, that come from God can shape us and form us into, into, um, individuals and into a community of people that look more like Jesus. So, um, with all that said, I think the first thing you need to do when you're approaching reading the Bible is enter into the reading with an attitude and a posture of prayer, um, and prayer, we often think about words that I'm going to say to God, which that can be part of it, right? Like you can, you know, have things on your mind that you want God to address, but it's also a, an attitude of listening. And so, um, you know, God can help you understand what, what you're reading. God can provide and highlight certain things. Um, there's been times in my life where I've read one scripture, and certain things come to the forefront, and then a few months or years later, I read the same scripture, and I... It's not that I understand it differently, but that God shows me something or teaches me something different through that same scripture. So um, definitely an attitude and posture of prayer as we go into scripture reading. Um, Secondly, I think you need to find a place as possible that will be comfortable for you. Um, And comfortable includes quiet. Um, If we're trying to hear what God has to say and we're in a space that has all different kinds of noises and voices, it becomes more difficult to hear what God is saying. Um, And you want to find a place that's comfortable so that you're not in a hurry and trying to rush through it to get on to the next thing, which is the third point I want to mention today when you go to read the Bible well, is allow yourself time. Number one, allow yourself time to read the text that you're going to read. So, you know, some of us may have a goal like, hey, I'm going to get up and read my Bible before the kids get up in the morning or before the day starts or whatever, or I'm going to read this before on my lunch break or something, which Dealing with real constraints is, is, is true, but adjust your reading size to the amount of time available and um, rushing through some scriptures and then getting to the end of it and going, oh, check that box, I'm done, but not actually um, understanding when that scripture talked to us and letting God work through that isn't as effective as if it would have been I would read less scripture, less verses, but allow God to, to speak to me more deeply. Um, and so that's the first part of that is allow allow yourself time in the actual reading, but also, especially if you're a new Bible reader, um, allow yourself time to understand how the Bible works and how it speaks. And what I mean by that is um, if you set out, I'm going to read the Bible every every day or, you know, three times a week, and after three days you're struggling with it, and you're like, I don't quite think this is working the way it's supposed to. Um just know that it's a different type of book it's speaking through a different through a lot of different cultures it's speaking through a lot of different years that have gone by so um, allow yourself time to develop the mental muscles and the and the the background and the the knowledge to to uh, process and understand and put pieces together that takes time especially if you're starting out reading the Bible. Um, you know, for the first time, there's going to be things that just like I don't know what to do with this, um, and and like we talked about last week, there's different parts. There's history. There's poetry. There's um, prophecy. There's there's law and and purity rules. And there's uh, letters to people, right? So um, it may not be super straightforward off when you begin, but give yourself time. So not only time to to read the words on the page without being rushed, but also give yourself time without a whole lot of pressure, expectation that you're going to master Bible reading, um, you know, the first week you start doing it or something. Give yourself some time. The fourth point is to be open to new ideas. So the Bible is a book that reveals God to us. It's a book that reveals God's kingdom to us. And so just by that nature, we start out with the assumption that God and God's kingdom is something other than what we already know off the top of our head, right? Like, we're not going to know God by um, just by accident, and we're not going to understand God's kingdom just by accident. And so those things will present ideas that are foreign to us, that are different than the assumptions and teachings that this world teaches us. And so you got to be open to new ideas. There's going to be things that come at you that the Bible presents And sometimes it makes a big deal about it and big fanfare, you know, where Jesus says, you know, you may have heard it this way, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, but I tell you, you know, turn the other cheek. Um, And that, you know, Jesus is highlighting the difference between the way the world works and the way the kingdom of God works. But oftentimes the Bible will just kind of subtly um, or passively just present information or present a story without highlighting the fact that it's different than the world that we live in. Um, and so, you kind of gotta be willing to wrestle with that. Um, you gotta gotta give yourself the opportunity to see something as a new idea, and and go, oh, what is this really saying? Don't dismiss it because it doesn't fit the narrative that you already have. Don't throw it away because it doesn't fit nice and tight and neat into the assumptions you already have. Which I, I think is a is a good point for a tangential warning, Um, don't go into the Bible trying to find proof for something that you already believe so that you don't have to find new ideas. Um, You can make the Bible say just about anything you want it to um, if you take a portion of it and take it out of context and apply it to how you want. So for example, during the days prior to the Civil War, Christians, um, the most prominent advocates for slavery in the U.S. were um, were Christians. Um, and they could quote the Bible and tell you why God supported slavery and why they were right. So um, that's something to be aware of. Sorry, my I got a notification on my phone that the Cubs signed a new picture. So um, anywho, that should tell you kind of where my priorities lie. Like, no. Um, but yeah, the... Uh, the idea that there's going to be new ideas and um, that the Bible presents a different perspective on things than what you're used to. So don't go in there trying to just validate what you already think, but be, again, that posture of openness and listening is going to be critical when you go to read the Bible. Um, and then as you listen, listen for echoes or listen for things that connect um, chapters in Bibles in the book together. So there's like themes Throughout the book, so for example, if you're reading the Gospel of Mark, you'll see him say the word "immediately" a whole bunch of times. So you're like, "Oh, this something's happening quickly." Like, so this is a theme. Or you'll you'll realize that the Gospel of Matthew has a lot of have Jewish um, references and ideas to the Jewish culture, right? That he's deliberately trying to connect those things. So hearing how things connect over the course of many chapters um, can be helpful. But also listen for the echoes of the way that, for example, you know, the the writer Paul in the New Testament quotes scriptures from the Old Testament. He was a, a scholar. He he knew the Old Testament scriptures well. And so he uses those to talk about Jesus in a very specific context. And so as you're reading, you can actually pick up if you're familiar with something, you can actually hear them quoting um other places and you can hear these these connections that ripple through um and so there's unity, there's consistency, there's continuity between the Old Testament prophets and wisdom literature, the Proverbs and the Psalms of, of grieving and the prophets of you know, Isaiah and his call for the future and, um, and then the, the words of Jesus and the words of Paul. And uh, you know, For example, the book of Hebrew talks about the faith of Abraham. And so like, they, they, the scriptures point to each other, they refer to each other, they, they build on one another. So that's important to be aware of just as you read, um, be aware that that for a lot of these scripture texts, um, they were aware of other scripture texts as they were writing. So um, that's helpful. Uh, the next thing is just to think about it. Again, if you're in a hurry to, to just check off Bible reading off your to-do list for the day, like if you're you know, somebody tells you, "Well, you to be a good Christian, you got to read the Bible every day." And so you're like, "Well, I better read the Bible every day." And you get to the end and you check the box, and you have number one, no idea what you read, because that's not the point. You're just supposed to read the Bible every day. And if you don't think about it ever again, you know, if you read that Jesus says to love your enemy, and you're like, "Okay, Jesus said to love my enemy," check, I read that. And then you go out into the world and um, encounter somebody <laughs> that is actively working against you. Um, and you don't recall in your mind, oh, Jesus says to love my enemy, how does that shape what I do now? Then we're missing the formative part of why we want to read the Bible. right? Yeah, it's good to read the Bible, but if that doesn't shape the way that you interpret the world around you, and it doesn't shape the way that you behave and the way that your mind works, like reading the Bible can form grooves in our, in our habits and in our posture and in our attitudes towards one another. And so that's what we want. We want the Bible to get deep down inside of us, deep in our mind, deep in our hearts, so that um, it becomes our instincts and it becomes the, the, the words that we hear in our head are the words that we have read and ingested. Um, the, the book of Joshua says, puts it this way. It says, don't let this book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Meditate on it day and night. Let it live in your head. Let it live in your heart. Let it provide context for what's going on in the world around you. Um, So that's kind of a big part. Think about what you read. And not just while you're reading it, but throughout the day, as you encounter other things, ask questions of what you read. Oh, I read this this morning. How does that have to do with what I'm experiencing today? Okay. So that's the next thing, too, actually, um, about reading the Bible well, is to ask questions. Um, as you're reading and you're encountering these different ideas and these different uh, cultures, you're going to have questions. Feel free to ask them. It's, it's, for whatever reason, we've gotten a, kind of this rumor out there or this assumption that as I read the Bible, I should because it's God's word, I should automatically understand it or that whatever my initial response is should be the right one. And asking questions um, means that either I'm not faithful enough or I, 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 you know, I'm trying to be a troublemaker or I have doubt or my faith isn't strong enough or something like that. But that's not the case. Ask questions. Um, as you're reading, write down some questions and, and maybe as you're reading, uh, the scripture will actually answer those questions. Uh, there are certain passages of scripture where the author will raise a question only to answer it a little bit later. So, Write the question down and and see if the, you can answer it when you're done reading. Um, the other thing is, if you can't answer it when you're done reading, maybe you should reach out to somebody who can. Um, I'm, I would love to hear from you. Say, hey, I just read, you know, First John chapter 2. What's that all about? Or um, I just read, uh, you know, Luke 15. And I don't understand the connection between losing coins and a sheep wandering off and the son who spent all of his inheritance. Why, why are these together? What is that all about? I'd love to talk to you about that. Um, so ask the questions, write them down. Um, I mean, I would say Google, but you're going to get some weird stuff if you Google. So, um, just use wisdom there as you search the internet for truth. Um, but yeah, like ask questions and, uh, you know, you can ask me or, you know, somebody that's been reading the Bible for a while or somebody that you trust. Um, and then kind of the next thing is to share your ideas. So (laughs) as you read the Bible, talk about it with other people. Hey, I think I learned this today. Um, I think this is what what I what I know. Um, you may be able to speak truth into somebody else's life. You may be able to bounce something off of them, and they might be able to say, "Oh, that that connects with what's what I'm experiencing right now." Um, you don't have to have a, a PhD or be ordained by the church or have you know a degree in theology or something to just have conversations about the Bible. So um, ask questions, but also you know talk about it. Hey, I read this. I think this is what this means. Um that's why Bible studies in small groups and Sunday school classes are, are are helpful. Like let's let's talk about it. Um so those are kind of some steps there. I, I do want to give a, a little bit of a warning as you jump in um that there are a lot of translations out there. Um so there's not just one Bible in English, there's literally hundreds. Um and depending on what your goal is for reading, may help shape that. Um, one of the most prominent and well-known translations of the Bible is the King James Version, and that was written over 400 years ago and was written in uh, basically Old English at this point, and it was written like, you know, King James, you see king in the title. It was written for the king. It was authorized and commissioned by the king, so there's some uh, some elevated language Um, and for whatever reason, uh, because maybe that was the most prominent English version for so long, like we've made the connection and think that, that English pompous language of King James is also the most spiritual language. Um, and if you don't know what I'm talking about here, I'll, I'll read just a little preview here from, uh, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Like nobody talks like that today. But for, for whatever reason, when we read the 23rd Psalm, um, that's how some people prefer it because it, it sounds more elevated. It, it, maybe it's holier or more spiritual or something. I don't know. but um, And that's fine if you're just going to read that. If you're going to read the entire 23rd Psalm, your head's going to be hurting um, by the time you try and figure out what it says. And so um, just be aware of that. King James may be a helpful tool uh, in some things, uh, but usually it's going to be more challenging and a barrier, especially to beginner readers. Um, and don't let anybody convince you that that's the only Bible you should be reading um, or the only one that's, that's authorized. Again, um, it was authorized by the King of England and uh, he's not in charge of Jesus. Um, so he was, you know, whatever. The king can authorize or not authorize whatever he wants, but um, that doesn't mean it's even the best translation. So um, there's been su- subsequent work to, to modernize um, and help us understand it in words that we understand. Um, and a big part of that is even English 400 years ago, words mean different things than they do now. So um, take that with a grain of salt. I'm not trying to pick on you. If you love King James, read King James, but... For a new reader that's wanting to read the Bible well, King James is going to be difficult and challenging, and I don't know how much you're actually going to get out of it. Um, so take that with a grain of salt. There's a lot of other versions um, NIV, um, Common English Bible, um, NASB, NRSV, um, and those all stand for things like New International Version. Um, Common English Bible, like I said, New American Standard Bible, New Revised Standard Version. Like there's literally hundreds of those. And those are um, translations that take the words in the original language. Um, So whether it be Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic, and they say, what does that mean? What do those words mean in English? And they kind of build that. There's other versions out there that are more paraphrases. So instead of taking word for word, they say, what is this? What is the idea behind this? passage and how can I best represent that idea in a way that people today will understand. So the New Living Translation is a paraphrase. It's not word for word, but it's helpful. It gets common everyday language that kind of points us to the meaning behind it. Um, And then if you want to take that even to a further extreme, there's a, a version called The Message, which is intended to be very conversational and very modern in the language it is not meant to be a word for word equivalent to the original language, so if you go in and go, well, this isn't what the Bible says, well no that's that's not what the Bible said when it was written um it was written by the message was written by a pastor who was trying to find language to help his congregation, his church understand conceptually what the Bible was saying, and so just be aware of that if you read the message um. It's it's going to sound a lot different than anything else you've read, um, and it has some benefits though to doing that. Um, just know that the, if you're a scriptural purist or you know somebody that's like interpretation is everything, um, translation is everything, like they may struggle with with <laughs> with the message. They may tell you it's not the Bible or something. Um, but just know that all interpretation or all translation uh, it requires interpretation, right? So everything that's moved from one language into another language. Requires interpretation. There's no pure translation. Um, there's always interpretative work going on there. So anyways, uh, find one you're comfortable with. If you've got questions, ask me. I'll help you um, understand what you're, what you're reading, what Bible you have in your hands. Um, and then kind of lastly, as we, we wrap up, I just want to point out there's going to be some things. Because this book is an ancient book from an ancient culture um, that is very different than ours. There are some things that, um, you'll see come up from time to time, but unless you know what's going on there, it's going to be really confusing or seem odd. So, um, in the Bible, you'll read about people tearing their clothes. Um, and that was something people did when they were grieving or they were angry or they were upset. They tore their clothes. Um, they put dust on their head. They wear sackcloth and sit in ashes, um, Those, again, are things they did when they were upset or disappointed or searching for something. Um, Professional people would go and be paid to cry at funerals. Um, That shows up from time to time. Uh, The marriages in the Bible are weird. You know, (laughs) for all of the talk about biblical marriage today, um, you really don't want a marriage like one that was in the Bible. Um, There was arranged marriages where, you know, the fathers sold their daughters or traded their daughters off for property or for livestock um and so the daughters were just property given to uh, somebody else in exchange for goods um arranged marriages like that there's multiple marriages um you know king solomon who was married to lots and lots of women um abraham married a couple couple of women you know there was the, Especially the old testament. Um there was a lot of uh multiple marriage situations happening there. It's just it's a different culture, it's a different world. So don't you can't look at that and go, Oh, God wants me to marry seven spouses. That just don't go there. But understand, like it was a different culture. It's describing the culture, not prescribing it, right? Like it's it's painting a picture of the way the world was, not telling us how the way the world has to be. So Anywho, um, there's walls around the cities for defense. So when they talk about the walls, that was a defensive thing that that made people feel safe. If you didn't live within the city, if you lived in villages or in the, out in the wilderness, um, you were exposed to attack. You were exposed to whatever. Um, but the cities had walls, and that was a big deal. Um, some of the names of the the places and for things have a deeper meaning than maybe we understand off the top of our head. So sometimes that can be confusing. Um, And these walled cities had gates. And so when we hear about the gates of the city, that was where um, judgments were made. That's where people went to court. That's where the rulers made decisions. And so, yeah, that's a gate. You can get in and out of the city, but it also speaks of a deeper uh, function in the city. So there's just these concepts that are are foreign to us um, in the wording, but maybe more familiar once we, we dig into it a little bit deeper. So just be aware there's some ancient things of the ancient world that are so different than the way they are today that it can be confusing and disorienting when we start up. But that's kind of where I want to uh, land things uh, for today. Um, you know, if depending on the type of Bible you have, you may have study notes or footnotes or cross-references that point you to other places in the Bible or give you more information. Um, use those tools as you have them available and as you want to. Um, you can literally chase yourself through the whole Bible, though, chasing footnotes and cross references. Um, But it's it's a helpful tool. And uh, if you have questions on that, I'd be glad to talk to you about that um, at another point. But that's it. Reading the Bible well, actually reading the Bible. And uh, that's where we'll wrap up session number two. Um, And we'll be back next week with another uh, installment of Reading the Bible Well. Hope this is helpful. And we'll see you then.